Hey, hey, quick announcement before we get this episode started. We just moved our podcast over to Anchor. Anchor has got an awesome feature that we are super excited about. You guys can now actually leave us voice messages, whether they're comments or questions, right within their app for our episodes. And then we can take that audio and integrate you guys into our podcast. So if you are inclined to leave us a message, check out the Anchor Podcast app. It's in the App Store. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. We're really, really excited about this feature. All right, let's get into it. So number one is I usually tell people to try to stay as far away from trends as they can when it comes to being literal. So if it turns out that right now black and white and green are all the rage, definitely work that into your house some, somehow, but don't like, don't all of a sudden like wallpaper everything black, green, and white stripes. Like, you know what I mean? the cousins what's up guys and welcome back to another episode of home with the cousins today we are talking to none other than brian patrick flynn he is an absolute force of design and positive energy our wide-ranging conversation delves into everything from designing to tv versus designing for real life and private clients talking about all things social media comments negativity sponsored posts, how you react to people online, and those infamous social media muscles. From there, we dive into Brian's design process, his tips for you. We also talk about his process, which is very different, on HGTV Dream Home and Urban Oasis. It is absolutely incredible to hear what this man has to do in order to design these homes for the masses. Really, really eye-opening. Last but not least, we talk about Brian's wedding in Antarctica. Yes, you heard that correct. Without further ado, here's Brian Patrick Flynn. Excellent. Do I sound echoey or does it sound right? No, you sound perfect. Excellent. So I was in the elevator, so I was actually trying to answer you, and then I realized if I did, you wouldn't hear me. (laughs) No worries at all. How we doing, Bri? Good. We're in the middle of an installation right now, and it's um, like 106 degrees, and... (laughs) I mean, you guys, you guys know how this goes. It's not, it's not the funnest situation when you're hauling um, appliances and stuff in this, in this humidity. Oh, gotta man. love it. Gotta love it. There's nothing worse than that. You can deal with the heat, but when it's that humid and it's heavy stuff, oh my god. Well, I prefer anytime I can. I prefer to have most of my projects happen in the winter. Like, well, you guys are in New Jersey and New York, so you have to deal with freezing pipes and stuff. But for the most part, in the South, ours are just like. 39 40 degrees and it's cold out but at least we don't have to deal with heat stroke and stuff like that how do you guys deal with building in new jersey and new york in the summer it's miserable <laughs> it's, it's not fun it's <laughs> tough yeah it's it's tough you just we sweat it out that's it there's no you can't hide from it you just can't hide well, from and everybody it. and everybody looks terrible it's like like when you guys back when you guys had kitchen cousins and all the other ones it's like you both managed to look like male models, and we had the fuck did they pull that off? Oh, well, I, oh no, know. Well, Brian. I was going to say, I think we, I think we, we, we were hung <laughs> over for most of those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we did an episode. I think it was our third episode. It was 110 degrees yeah. in this guy's house, and it there was nothing cute about it, like nothing. It was disgusting. Oh my god. That was yeah. yeah, that was tough. It was tough. But you know, you learn the tricks. You got to you got to bring two bandanas with you and you soak them in ice water and then you tie them around your wrists and it keeps your body temperature down. It's a yeah, pro- we've tried that tip. too and then we've we've also soaked um soaked them in that stuff called sea breeze and it kind of help it kind of helps around your neck yeah, but then yeah. 
it's just what are you guys so what are, what are you guys up to now like i know that you guys have been doing a lot of different things for the years first of all the, congratulations on the book that was brilliant awesome thank, thank you, you very, very much, much. I appreciate that yeah so we've got that going on and um and it comes out august 28th and then um and then uh, we're in talks with Ellen and, and their whole team about a um, a larger scale series. You know, we, we did a we did a digital series with her once our exclusivity ended with HGTV, and it went well. And now they're they've got we we collectively we have we had pitched them on an on an idea, and it's now morphed as as things do in television. It's morphed into a, an adjacent idea that we're like working to put a digital series together and then based on how that goes um could be a, a larger network play so i was hoping that was going to be your answer because it seems to me like from a third party point of view that all of the things that you've done in, in relation with that show they just look like they've been a lot of fun and it seems like you have a lot of cheerleaders over there and those seem like good people to know yeah and i appreciate you saying that thank you um yeah it's you know it's just a, it's a long road so it's like we pitched them the idea like a year and a half ago and you know they just weren't ready to make it and then what comes up and you know what fires are they putting out and obviously they have some very big guests they deal with on that show so a lot of stuff gets gets pushed down uh down the road a little bit but you know they do get to it and and you're right the word cheerleader is probably the perfect word they're they're they've been really kind to us so especially um, in this business right bro you need uh you need people on your side that is for sure oh yeah especially if they're people that you've worked your ass off for and they know that they know that you'll deliver on the goods and what's good on camera because it's one thing to just see people be good on camera and have a good personality and be relaxed it's another thing to be behind the scenes and have everything ready for a camera and have it 100%. translate. Right. hundred so percent. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's so unforgiving because it's like there's stuff that looks good in real life and then there's stuff that looks good on camera. And if you do like I like Anthony, I've seen your loft in the magazine and um, you have some color in your loft, right? It's not all neutral. Isn't there some color in it? Oh, yeah. My backsplash is blue. Um, I've got like a and I've also got I, well I use blue throughout as my kind of my base color and then I've got uh, some very loud overdyed rugs on the concrete floors um, so yeah I've definitely I've definitely brought color into the space well to me that's the hugest difference to people that haven't done what we do is it like there's one thing to design for a real client or design in real life I love neutrals as much as the next person but the minute you put beige or tan or just black and white on camera it just doesn't garner the attention from somebody to stop when they're flipping through the channels and right. watch it so you have to amp up the color and with people with people consuming so much more media online now and everything has comments below it, it's so easy for people to just hate and like tear stuff apart, but they don't understand that you're not just designing for a real client. You're trying to design as an entertainer and make people <laughs> actually watch it. So it gets frustrating with all the comments. Yeah, I'll tell you what, when I when I was designing the loft, I was like, Oh, you know, I'll let people in on the process and I'm putting up like uh, little collage images like this is living room collage, kitchen collage. And it was like immediately, oh, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because you can see it all come together over there in fucking in Instagram your, they're, land. They're, they're in your mind. <laughs> like, oh they're in God. your mind. <laughs> give me give me a break, man. Give me it's a so, break. And the other thing that, that gets me the most on this is like I never see other designers or other builders or other people that work in the design industry leaving negative comments. The only people I see leaving negative comments that, that are That don't work that, in the industry, of course. Of course. Yeah. That's always that, the way it is. 
It's always, and then they have, and if it's on Instagram, they have a private account and they have zero <laughs> posts and you, or it's like a post of a flower or like a fork on a piece of cake. And you're like, why did you just come here to ruin my day? And I, that's one of my biggest things in the design industry is like, it's so easy to just ruin someone's day with a negative comment. So I prefer to either leave a happy comment or just leave none at all. So I'm sure you guys have dealt with it too. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. And I, and I take the same approach as you do. Like if I really like something, I leave a comment and I let someone know. And if it's not my flavor, I just scroll to the next image. I don't need to ruin someone's day because you know, the thing of what we, the thing of it is that uh, of what we do is that it's so subjective. Like I was never able to stock my designs. I can't put them on a shelf. They're not, you know, cupcakes. They're not uh, candles. They're not. A lot of people don't want the same thing. Everybody wants something so individual to them and so personal to them. It's no wonder that you don't like everything else out there, but there's no reason to knock somebody down for doing what they do. It makes people feel good, right? I, I think it's it's them too. It's their own insecurities. They say, oh, I, you know, that person created something that, that's beautiful or different. And they just do it because who knows in their own life? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand that stuff with people. I don't think any of us do. And I, I think some of the good takeaways from this is like, I think that nowadays, like making money is a different world than it was. Like I'm a, I'm a Gen Xer. I think you guys are millennials, but I think that. Oh, hell no, no, bro. No, we're just, Get out we, of we, here. We, we, we just missed it. <laughs> no. I'm 39, man. And, well, I'm, oh, I'm 30. Really? Yeah. I'm 30. I think I missed it by two years. You missed it by like four, Ant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm 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 well I'm well outside that. <laughs> oh, good. Now I feel better. I thought you guys were early 30s. But what I was going to say was um is I've even noticed like in some of the paid partnerships that you guys have gotten or even John has gotten isolated or you got them together is like it's a different world. It's a different landscape now. And as far as learning to make money, you if if things come your way and they're not necessarily 100% on brand like with me as an interior designer or you guys as builders and mm -hmm. designers like if you had stuff come along that had to do with like male grooming and it was paid and they want to get into your Instagram, I hate when other people try to tear people down for finding new sources of money. I mean, you guys both work out like crazy. John, your CrossFit thing is insane. And <laughs> like, and I if you find it. a way to make money at that through your social media, I don't understand why some people get turned off or then stop following. To me, it's like – yeah. Uh, we're finding ways to make money in, a, in an industry that's changing. The design industry has completely changed. The building industry has changed. You know, so uh, good, good to, for you guys for finding other sponsors outside of the design world. I think that's fantastic. No, that's really well, well said. And you know, I think there's a balance between like, you know, making it an ad account, basically like like the Bachelor and Bachelorette uh, folks tend to do. Uh, not all of them. Not all of them. There's a few that 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 definitely don't. But if you if you look at some of those accounts, it's post after post after post but when you do it i guess with seeming at least i think it's respectful you know to to your audience um and i think on top of that brian you know like at least in our world and i i assume the same in in yours because you know i've, I've watched your feeds like you're very cognizant with who you work with like you have to believe in that in that brand because it's taken you 20 something years to build your reputation and now for an instagram post you're gonna endorse something that you don't actually use or you don't I, you know it's not like a quick buck in that way i look at it as like oh we i can get paid to introduce to my fans things that i actually use and believe in yep we are totally on the same page because um some of the people that i follow that are like big celebrities and actresses and actors sometimes all of a sudden they'll have one in their feed that is just like say some random snack food but the way that i look at it is like if 
if it if it's something they truly are going to eat anyway or they're going to use, it makes sense. And yes, like in my case, now that I'm finally getting up there with the following and that little check mark, that what is it with that check mark? Like <laughs> people, people think it's like it's almost like your royalty. Like, they I do. I, I know. Every, they do. People they see that blue check, they're like, oh my god, he's got the blue check. How do I get that? Yep. And it's harder. And it's gotten so it? much harder now. It's I don't even know how I got it. Like, how did we get it? We um, actually, John and I were fortunate enough to. I don't know how we met this guy Mike uh, from Facebook. He's yeah. no longer at Facebook. He started his own company. But anyway, Mike was in HR at Facebook, and he had reached out to us and said, "You know, there's a, a lot of HGTV fans at Facebook. We'd love to have you out to the campus and and give a talk, bring some HGTV swag, throw it around to people." We're like, okay, so we went out. We toured the whole. Th- it was the coolest experience. Unbelievable. Um, and then uh, we said, "Hey, Mike, you know those little blue check marks?" He's like, "Ugh, all right, fine." And he got it. He got it taken and care. And this of. is right. So that's how and we this did is it. right when Facebook just acquired Instagram. They literally, I think, right. they just got it like six yeah. months. But other than that, it. I really don't know yeah. how, how that how that works, Brian. I have no idea. That's a really, really good answer. Like, that's a, <laughs> it is. It's like, that's because it is a mystery. It's a mystery to me, too. I, and maybe it's my affiliation with the huge television network and yours, too. Yeah. Perhaps there's some swag there that or some type of clout that goes up. But, uh, but what I was going to say about the sponsored post stuff is to, I think it's the way of the future because if, for example, you guys have ton, tons of building products and, and appliances and um, countertop materials, et cetera, that I know that you work with, and so do I. And, if we're already working with them and they're giving us business and then all of a sudden they realize instead of spending X amount of dollars on a magazine ad or a television commercial, they'd rather divvy that up with real life people using their product yep. and they're willing to pay you for it. To me, it's like I can't imagine anybody would all of a sudden be turned off by that. But I'm uh, Anthony, it's nice to hear you say that because like right now we're redoing our house in, in Atlanta and we're mm-hmm. doing skylights everywhere because it's a mid-century house that has a bunch of dark spots <sighs> awesome, inside. So, awesome, awesome. And it was an organic, an organic partnership because I would have used skylights anyway. But right. now it's basically like they're going to use my house almost as a set for their assets. So you, we're all in the same which boat. Which skylight? I just, I, which which company? Velux, Velux oh, USA. Yeah, Those are the ones. Best. They're fantastic. They have the uh, like the integrated shades that open and close with the remotes, and you can also yep. open and close the shades for ventilation. So I, it's it's truly a perfect fit. And I have a few other ones coming up in the future that are totally organic. But I'm with you. Like if all of a sudden it's some type of a product or, or category you'd never be associated with, I, I guess people will find it off-putting. But I say yeah. as long as people are being nice to others and getting paid and inspiring, just screw it. Like, just celebrate one another. Yeah, I, I've kind of taken the approach of you can't make everybody happy. And I, I think, you know, inter- internet muscles have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger over the past couple of years. So That's a really good term. I've never heard that before. <laughs> you should copyright that. <laughs> so I just tend to ignore it. Um, but, you know, I will say on the, on the flip side of that, early on, early TV days for John and I, uh, our agent approached us with this deal. Um, and it was a six-figure deal, and it, you know, money like that that wasn't floating around by nope. John and I, especially after 2008 uh, when when we, we were on the balls of our ass, yeah, Brian. It was, it was <laughs> literally. <dead. laughs> um, but it, you know, it was it was it was big money, and um, we were like, oh, we got all excited. We're like, what is it? And he's like, oh, it's these stick-on countertops that you put over existing, ca- like. Man, look, Sorry. I need that paycheck, but no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. You know, 50 you, you don't get 15 years of quality building reputation and hustle and grind and finishing projects back when you go and post a photo of stick-on countertops in, in your feed, you know? So, you do have to be have to be smart about it, too. Yeah, it sounds like you made the right choice. <laughs> and I have to, I mean, definitely, especially when quality over quantity is huge, but I have right. some friends that 
were also approached with the same stuff, like furniture deals and stuff. And the way that they looked at it was kind of like, wait a second here, 15, 20 years from now, how is this going to benefit me? And if it's, if you're just looking to make enough money to go like on a nice trip next week, I get it. But in the long run, I think it's more about you know where your where you your reputation will be 10, 15 years from now. So it sounds like we're all doing the same thing, long term goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and Brian, let me you know what this is. This is perfect, and and this is a good segue into a couple things here. You know, of course, you know we're really excited to have you on the podcast today, and this is something where we really want to have real education, real knowledge out to our fans because, of course, when you do the television shows, you can't go in depth like we would like to. And you, you, you've kind of done it all here. You, you're a producer, you're talent, designer, recently married, which we will, at the end, I, I got to hear about the Iceland wedding because the pictures you posted, un, unreal. Um, <laughs> I definitely want to talk about your home on the cover of House Beautiful that recently just came out. That is another stunner. Congrats. I mean, that is, that is absolutely beautiful. Um, Thanks. But, but really getting into the design aspect of it. And I know that you design HGTV Dream Home, Urban Oasis, and these are massive projects. And when people in their own home are getting into their own houses and they're trying to figure out where do I start, how do I really kick it off, how do I plan? We talk about planning is, is of course, one of the biggest things that we talk about on the podcast with so many different things. Where do you really start? Like, where do you start with these homes? Because... It's a lot to wrap your head around, and people get really confused. Yeah, it's a lot. It's not for the faint of heart, and also you have to have really thick skin. So there's two parts to my answer. When when it comes to private residential interior design, it all comes down to, uh, for me as a business person, a minimum budget. So um, if the person is not able to come up with a budget that, that, that needs to be my minimum, I can't take on the project because of how many hours it's going to take and how big of a staff I need to pull off the project. But the other thing about private residential interiors is, I have to check my own particular aesthetic at the door and I have to marry all of my experience and a little bit of my own aesthetic with the aesthetics of the single person or couple, whether it's a, a married man and woman, married man and man, married woman and woman or single person. Um, I have to walk into it and I have to make all of their existing stuff work with new stuff. So the other answer is when I'm designing for these gigantic sweepstakes homes where the objective is to get as many people as possible to sign up to win them. Sure. I have to have a completely different point of view. So let's say that both you and Anthony were my clients and you wanted to hire a decorator because you were overdoing it for yourself. Um, I would have to make an assessment of all the stuff you already own, find out what colors you hate, what colors you like, make sure I have all the dimensions correctly, find out which direction uh, the windows face based on the time of lighting for the day, blah, blah, blah. With HGTV Dream Home and HGTV Urban Oasis, I have to appeal to a massively wide audience. So Millions I of people. Millions of millions people. Millions of people. That's and crazy. Of, and, that millions sounds like a daunting of, task. It's, it's scary. It is. You have to have thick skin. Because Brian, I've never you, thought about it in the way you just laid it out. And I'm like sitting here with a dumbfounded look on my face because it's hard enough designing for a single family. That, well, I think I think our first conversation of people beating you up over Instagram and Facebook on pictures, that's the perfect <laughs> segue into it, right? Just like you said, oh, it's not it's, it's so, not it's not one client. It's not a couple. It's millions of people looking at these homes saying, Oh my God, he put 
He put green cabinets, which, by the way, when you did Dream Home, those cabinets in the kitchen, loved. And I think you were ahead of trend because that was the color of the year and people were freaking out over green. And now when you look at, when you look at Instagram, green kitchens are all over the place. So I know. It's so I, funny you said that because Nancy Fire and I had a talk together and we were talking about green cabinets two and a half years ago. And, and it took a little convincing internally when what, that was HCTV Dream Home 2018, uh, 2017, and that was in St. Simons Island, Georgia. And um, what happened was I did this subway tile that was this really bold shade of hunter green. And I think for a long time, people associated hunter green with 90s, and they thought it was dated. Yeah. But when I used it, it brought out the green undertones and the gray cabinets. And 60% of people were like, I want a green kitchen. 40% of people were like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? But the good news is going on to your comment is when I'm designing HGTV Dream Home and HGTV Urban Oasis – I have to make sure that I have to, I, I basically design on SEO, search engine optimization, and also search terms that exist and don't exist. So if it mm. turns out that a majority of, wow. it, it's very wow. complex. That's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe it's, that. It's like a whole different type of design. But the way that I have to do it is I have to realize the majority of people always like blue and white. So blue and white is safe and I can never go wrong with blue and white. A lot of people enjoy color, but they can't live with too much color. Some people like relaxed. Not a lot of people like formal. Almost everyone likes coastal. Not everyone loves super masculine. Almost no one likes minimalist. And then slightly feminine, everybody's okay with. So what I have to do is every room and every square inch of the house has to be a balancing act. Like, is this room masculine enough? Yes. Is it feminine enough? Yes. Is it coastal enough? Yes. Is it neutral enough? Yes. And nothing, I can't have a room that's just 100% masculine or 100% feminine. So it's really a game of math and it brings me back to just like equations. And um, it's totally different than designing for a private client. But the reason that I like it so much and like right now, the fact that I have the cover of House Beautiful right now on top of be, you know, being in charge of these two gigantic HGTV franchises designs is I'm really proud. If anybody asks like you a question, I'm sure you have the answer, but what I'm most proud of in my career is my range. Like I'm happy that I can get hired to do my very soft masculine look for my private clients and mix it with the stuff they have. But I'm also proud that every year I have brand new architecture on HGTV Dream Home and HGTV Urban Oasis. And I have to work with a new locale, new um, vernacular and new architecture. And I think when I'm in my fifties, it'll make me a stronger designer. But right now, it is a lot to keep up with because I get so many – I have so many um, masters to please. And then the comments online, I've just learned that – like you said before, one of you said you're never going to please everybody all, all the time. So I just look to please HDTV and HDT viewers. And if I do that, then I'm done. And then I just get in my car. Excuse me. Then I get on a plane and I go to Iceland for the summer and I recoup. But, but Anthony, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm twitching. I, I, I'm that. actually – you know, I'm done to literally twitch. And I, you know, <laughs> sitting here with my cousin, I'm just kind of – I mean I'm, I never realized – what actually went into the, you know now that you describe it, it you know you say oh my god of course but hearing you say it in these words and understanding it and the fact that you actually and I don't I don't want to gloss it over that you have to search terms that people are actually going on the internet and looking for designs because you want to see what are the most searched topics that is unbelievable and that's 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 the information you need to get to just start this process. So it's, wow. I, I am really, uh, really blown away hearing about all this. Well, it's nice to hear your guys' reaction to it because a lot of my interior designer friends don't understand it. They're like, wait a second here. That's not how the world of interior design works mostly. But the way that I look at it is, if it turns out that like three or four years ago, there was really not a lot of pastel projects on HGTV.com, I looked at the opportunity to work on HGTV Dream Home 2018 and 
that was in Gig Harbor, Washington. And so I decided to do something completely out of the box. So I worked, we worked with HGTV Home by Sherman Williams, and I used a palette that they had called Quiet Comfort that had a lot of subdued pastels, which are not colors you associate with the rugged Pacific Northwest. But we found a, made a way to make it work. And of course, I, I'm not going to please everybody all the time. But one of the other funny things that maybe nobody thinks of is sometimes getting people to talk negatively and positively about something on the internet creates really good buzz. And if it's something that won't hurt anybody's feelings, like mm-hmm. HGTV Urban Oasis 2017, I painted the front door almost like a um, a shade of Pepto-Bismol pink. And a lot. <laughs> and the thing is, people either loved it 100% or hated it 100%. And at the end of the day, just like you guys, because you're both super handy and can do stuff hands-on, it's a quart of paint and two hours of painting right. if you it's don't like it more. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so... And it, that's a good, and to me, like to get buzz online, doing a front door in pink is is an easy way to get people talk without making somebody not want the house. So it is a it's it's so fun to talk about this to other design professionals. <laughs> yeah. when the, 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 it's so complex. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's it's funny. There's two two things. So first of all, you know, I think as as a designer and and especially with the visibility of the two projects that you do for HGTV, I think it's important that you're showing people what's possible, not just giving them the things that they like. That's not really what our job is. Yes, it is for some of the smaller shows, and it certainly is our job to give homeowners what they want when they're private clients. Um, but when you have a spec home, you're showing people what's possible, you're showing people what works together, and you're you're educating them on the job that you do. So I, I love the fact that you're always you know pushing forward. And, and you know, time and time again the stuff that you do in those projects winds up becoming a trend or or starts trending or get it, at the very least gets more popular because you've shown people what's positive or what's possible in, in, in that respect. Yeah, it's nice to hear you say that because that's kind of when I'm going through it and I'm doing, first of all, I love all my executives because they have my back and I, <laughs> I just love the collaborative process. Yeah. But sometimes in the beginning, since they're not creative visual people like we are when it comes to homes, they will hear like the word like midnight blue or they'll hear sunshine yellow and they freak out. But then this is something one of you touched on before is one of the problems is anybody seeing anything before it's 100% done. This happens in real life too. Like if you, if somebody walks in and just sees a room painted a bold color or walks in and sees a room that's all white or all black, they freak out. But the thing that makes the room is the, the, the complexity of bringing in the art, the rugs, the furniture, the lighting and then it's like almost like seeing an artist start to paint on a canvas and say, I hate that when they've only done one layer. So right. it's, um, it, it's, well, that's, it's, that's def- the word, Brian, you nailed it. It's, and, and you know, this better than most layer, you know, it's you, a black wall is a black wall. Then you, you do the gallery on top of that and you've got the frames and the art pieces or the photography you've got, maybe there's a fireplace on that wall. Maybe there's birch logs, I, you know, there's, so many then the carpet is going to play off of the wall so that the layering is is what design is a wall with a color on it is a painted wall that's not design exactly it's just a base layer so right i think you it's hard for people who don't see the bit like you guys can walk into a room like i can right away and understand how the room should look once it's remodeled and people that don't they just should not see the space until it's finished and luckily all of my partners and my executives with hgtv that we they get it and they come over after the house is 90% done just without flowers and plants and then they can see it. But if they show up on day one, like sometimes I get get nervous. I'm like, Oh my God, I feel like I throw up. Well, because you know, and I get that way too. It's like you you go into overdrive trying to explain your idea, but it would be so much easier if you could just do your thing and then, and then they can go, Oh wow, this looks great. 
yeah, why'd you make me sweat like an asshole and like <laughs> jump through hoops and try and explain? And you're talking faster and you're forgetting some of your design words and you're like, shit, they, they don't want me to do this. Oh, and then you start second guessing yourself before you've even put, you know, item one in that room. So it's it's real. It's a really funny process. Well, and, and if you think about this, uh, our our first episode that we ever incorporated uh, with the Ellen Show on Kitchen Cousins. They called us up on a Friday. They told <laughs> us, they said, hey, look, you guys are going to leave, literally leave to start this project. I think it was on, on Tuesday. So we had like three days to design oh it, God. plan it, order, get everything done. That, that's, that's, how, that's how things in their world move so fast. And we had a war room where we got our team together. We sat down. We literally picked out everything that went inside this house we went there from everything from of course the you know uh changing the the, the floor plan painting uh all the materials in the kitchen to the furniture to the to what we're going to put on the walls as far as art we got all that done we sent them this file it was very in-depth they understood they saw everything they said you know what run with it and go after that Every other design after that, they're like, whatever you guys want to do. We, we trust you. They, they needed that, that one time just to see that we can handle it, move fast, move professionally, and, and that was it. And, and, and it turned out great. So, you know, it is. It, it's a lot of hard work, and it, it's nervous. I mean, you get, it's really nerve-wracking. It's, it's funny. We have, like, the same exact path. It's like <laughs> the first job that I was off, ever offered, I think I had four days um, just like you to move from, I was staying in New York at the time and I got offered a job and, and it needed to start four days later in Atlanta. And, um, and I wasn't ready, but it was a job opportunity. It was, it was a huge one. And, and they needed me to, to start uh, working on this house. It was on a TV series on discovery at the time. And I remember at first being so nervous because like we didn't have the time to, to like, when you don't have the time to mentally prepare for something, yes. you're just worried you're going to fail. And yep. I've learned that People that have worked in production design, it's that lack of time that actually makes us do a better job because we, we start to not second guess ourselves when we're in the installation process. And Absolutely. you just Correct. start, you just, you second guess at the end, but that's normal for everyone. But while we're doing it, you know what's right and what's wrong. So, God, it sounds like we have a lot of similarities as to how we got where we are. We sure do, man. And so I think this is a good time to pivot and mention that, you know, you're a self taught designer. For, for those of you who don't know Brian, uh, he is self-taught. Uh, all, another similarity uh, with us, we, you know, we have no formal design education. Uh, we never, never took classes or anything like that. Um, so, you know, Brian, I would love if you could share some of your experience as to one, how you got started and kind of built your confidence through the process. And then two, maybe any tips you could give to people who either want to do this for a living or they have their home and they want to do the design aspect of their home by themselves and not, maybe not use a designer, you know, some of the, so the, the best places they could start or some best practice tips you could give them. Yeah, absolutely. I would, so as far as how I got started and how it would like in, in, involve like takeaways that are, that are applicable to almost anyone and relevant is I, I went to college for television and film production and I wanted to, I wanted to be a producer or I wanted to be an art director. And, when I was in college, people would ask me like what my actual dream job was. And I had said that I either, this was in um, 2000 and 2001 and 2002. And I had said that uh, I either wanted to be, I was very specific. I had said that I either wanted to be the art director or part of the art direction team of MTV's The Real World. Do you remember that show? Oh, of course. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That started um, it all, baby. 
It did. It, it started, and it also the, the the set designs on those were really crazy. Like there'd be like a fish tank bed, or yep. there would be like a. It, they were the, the designs were just so over the top, but they were memorable, and I thought it was really exciting to push the envelope. So number one was I either wanted to have that job, or this was when HGTV Dream Home was kind of new. Um, I remember telling some friends I would love to design. I would love to be the designer of HGTV Dream Home. So it's crazy how it came full circle. That I ended up getting the exact job I wanted. But how I got started was. I was working as a producer in news, but I really excelled on I really excelled on things like stories about like home and garden or designing on a budget or uh, building laws and codes. And eventually uh, I, I worked in news at NBC in South Florida. And eventually um, we all kind of got laid off at, right after like in early 2002. And I just literally went knocking on doors like I actually brought my resume in a, in a, in a, a clips tape two production companies all over South Florida. And it just so happens that the one place I went to had just signed a deal to shoot all of the trading spaces and all of the show called Surprise by Design in Miami. And that what they were looking for was a young producer who could also work behind the scenes with the art direction department to make sure that everything was moving along for camera. And that's called so fate, I, Brian. That, 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 that's called fate. You, you knocked on the door at the right time. That's perfect. I know, I know. It was meant to be. And yep. so I had to take a few steps back because I was a producer in news and here I was the schlepper. But I learned everything behind the scenes from like building codes and ADA enforcement and like, you know, how, how, how high things should be above the ground if you're in a wheelchair or yep. code about like putting light fixtures over hot tub, um, over bathtubs, et cetera. And anyway, long story short, um, the producers and executives I worked for noticed that I had an eye and that I was easy to work with. So they started hiring me on the weekends to do their homes. And I, I just considered it. A now, hobby. Did, now so, did, you, did you do it? Did you do it for for free? At first, I did it for free just no, to try. I knew, to get it. I knew it. I was like, they yeah. definitely <laughs> want them for free. <laughs> always, and that's one of the things I always tell people, especially if they're young and they don't have a lot of bills. Is the most important thing is getting professional photos of what you have. So what 100%, I started off doing, that is it's great advice. I think anybody that is an aspiring designer or does want to get into this field, we say that all the time. Unfortunately, sometimes you got to put the hard work in. But if you can get those pictures and you can build out your resume and really show that, it opens so many doors. Oh, it sucks at the time because I remember I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and I, I would work on these projects, and all of a sudden I'd see no profit. And then I'd be negative because I'd spend $2,000 on professional photography. But in the long run, so the takeaway here for people just starting out is I would find people who had modest budgets but gave me full control to do a space. Then what I would do is I would spend all of that money to do the space, and then even if I had to go buy a point-and-click myself and put it on a tripod, I would have evidence that I knew what I was doing. Then as my budgets got bigger and bigger, I would build into my design feed two days of photography. And then all of a sudden, I had stuff to pitch to editors, I had stuff to put on my website, and then people knew that I knew what I was doing. So the way my biggest tip for people is spend about two years just doing stuff for your friends for free and just go ahead and spend the money and buy and just pay for your own photography. And even if it's just something you have, like just to put in your Instagram, it, it'll show people how high quality the work is. Um, and then, so that was number one was, um, oh, and then the other one was how to apply design ideas to your home. So the other thing is, there's definitely no right or wrong. So the way that I tell people is if they want to work in interior design or somebody just wants to design their, their home themselves. Mm -hmm. First of all, I think interior designers and general contractors are worth their weight in gold because our job is to, is to stop people from making mistakes and Agreed. to make sure they're spending their money correctly Correct. and not have to do it twice yes uh 100 and i do think that's where our, the value of us comes in some people have the money some don't but when we're involved usually they'll make decisions that last forever so number one is i usually tell people to try to stay as far away from trends 
as they can when it comes to being literal. So if it turns out that right now black and white and green are all the rage, definitely work that into your house some, somehow, but don't like, don't all of a sudden like wallpaper everything black, green, and white. Amen, like, you know Amen I mean? brother. Keep on going. Yeah. Like go ahead and paint your walls all white or all black and then bring in a few elements of green that can, that can be switched out. But I think when people fully embrace a trend, it ends up having an expiration date. So what I usually do is I, I pare the trend down like 60%. And then all of a sudden it's abstract enough where it's not stuck with a date. And then the other thing is there's only a few rules that you really have to get right to be able to design a room. You have to understand scale, proportion, basically scale and proportion are everything. And then when, after that, you just really have to consider lighting source. So if you, if you make sure that like your sofa's in check with your coffee table and your coffee table's in check with the end tables and everything, you know, you have your chandelier sitting above the top of your dining table by like say 30 to 34 inches. Uh, I usually like things a little bit lower than others, but things like this, if you get them right, you can do the room yourself. You just have to make sure that if, if you, if you love a piece so much and you find it at a flea market um, and it's not going to fit proportionately into your room. Don't buy it. Like people do that all. Have you noticed people do that all yes. the time? Yep. Yes. Yep, they do. They absolutely do. They, they get fixated on one item and they can't live without it. And they say it's got to be in here. Sometimes it just doesn't work in the overall design. And you have to come to terms with that. And it happens all the time. Like yep. people fall in love with a piece when they know when they know that I know what it's like to fall in love with a piece, but like if you're currently living in a condo that doesn't have a room, a wall that's really big enough for this huge armoire, it's a complete waste of time and money. And then you're going to end up spending more money just to get it out. So um, that's one thing. And another huge thing is to never underestimate the power of like measuring everything, like your front door, your main hallway door, your back door, the, your windows on a second floor unit, because so many times I've had people not realize just exactly how wide like the back of a sofa is. And if they're in an old pre-war building, they just spent $7,000 on something they can't get into a room. So I always have another person also measure for me too, just to make sure. Have you guys been in that situation where you've had to cut a sofa? Because you're, you're, you're up in New York, New Jersey. We've not had to cut a sofa, Brian, but um, we had a break. And, 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 and funny enough, our mistake uh, after 10 years in the construction world was caught on television. We, <laughs> oh, for, we forgot to measure the elevator for the single piece stainless steel countertop for this kitchen we were doing in an apartment building and it didn't fucking fit (laughs) not by a long shot oh my god what did you do do you want the truth yeah i love this because it's on tv so you can confirm this my first season kitchen cousin my father literally flagged down a fire truck that was passing the building and the dudes put the the ladder up to the window and we pushed the countertop up the fire ladder and into the building. Real. That that was no, that no stage. Happened. That happened. That was a real deal. You guys can't make this stuff no. up. These <laughs> answers are amazing. <laughs> oh man. It was uh it was it was it was insane. And yeah. and you know what? Never made that mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know what? Before we before we stray too far, in it, it's a tip uh, that that listeners you've probably heard me give before but it's, it's worth illustrating now um you know to brian's point measuring doors windows elevators hallways all these things super important 
on the flip side of that, if you're out and you find a piece of furniture, you're in a store and there's stock, it's not a one of, you know, or, or maybe it is a one of a kind, ask the person to hold it, take all the dimensions, go home with a roll of painter's tape and tape out the, the length and the width on the floor, tape, I, tape out the height on the wall and make sure it proportionally fits in the space. A roll of painter's tape is real cheap when you're talking about the cost of furniture. Oh, man, I do that all the time. And one other thing to take it further is if, especially if you're looking for, I, I'm not a fan of nightstands. I always use chests that are a little oversized because I feel like uh, most nightstands are disproportionate to a bed's width. So what I will do is I will also then make sure I tape out on the wall. I'm, I'm a huge fan of lamps that are over 31 inches tall because I feel like they ground the space. So mm -hmm. I will do exactly what you do. But then I will also measure the wall, how high my lamp actually sits, st stand back, take a picture, uh, portrait, uh, portrait style with my iPhone, and make sure that not only does that fit, but proportionately the lamp will fit on top of it and not look disproportionate. Because, you know, once you buy something once, like it's not just the investment of how much money you spent. It's also taking it to like uh, getting a piece of furniture to and from your house is a pain and bringing mm -hmm. it back. is like the walk of shame, you know, it really is. <laughs> yeah. It really is. Yes. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brian, when, when people see dream home, they see urban oasis and, they see these over-the-top designs. I think most people probably say, I, I, I can never have that in my home. And I know a lot of times when we're either dealing with fans, we're giving design talks or construction talks, whatever we're doing, a lot of people try to stay safe. And, and, and you, we were talking about this earlier where they say, you know what? I'm just going to stick with the muted colors. I don't want to do anything over the top. I'm too nervous. You know, I just want white, 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 beige, beige, beige. Let it be. I don't want to step. I guess you know. I I don't want to step outside the box. And we always try to encourage people to say no. Learn from our designs. Take that risk. Do something that that really inspires you. Do you want people to look at these homes? And I know you touched about you saying you know don't you know, you don't want people also to to follow trends because like you said trends come and go. We say the same thing too. What do you want the takeaway to be from when they get that inspiration? either through your Instagram feed, they see what you're posting, they go to hgtv.com, they see this, these beautiful homes. What should the takeaway be from it? I think the main takeaway for something like that where people are scared to use a lot of color or push the envelope too far is you can totally make an all-white and beige or all-white and sand tone or all-white and brown or black house work. I think there's two key elements that allow you to add a little bit of edge to keep it from looking too – I hate the word safe, so I'm like you guys. Yeah. Like I don't. I could do understated, I could do muted, but I definitely don't want it to be safe. So what I've learned is if you are dealing with someone who's a little scared of actually using color, as long as you go with things that actually hold their own and have sculptural value. So what I do is if I have a room that's super understated, I will, I will invest in a really good-looking light, good light fixture that has very interesting lines and introduces like a new sheen and a new finish. The other thing is if a room is too safe, the one thing I do to throw it all off is just one piece of art. And that could be super cheap. If you, For example, one of my favorite things to do is to ask my clients who have kids if I could see all their school art. And then what I'll do is I'll either have it blown up large and framed or I'll take that piece of art and figure out how to turn it into some type of tapestry. And then the next thing you know, you have one thing that is edgy and different and weird that kind of adds that one element of, of being a little different, but the rest of the room can still be really understated. So I think if you want to go that route, you, you need like two elements, like a really, really strong light fixture and then one piece of art that just totally makes something fresh. But then the other thing, when it comes to color, 
if people are afraid of it, I always tell people when you get a color swatch, like if you're working with HGTV Home by Sherwin-Williams or any other brand, and you look at the color card that has like six different shades on it, yep. if, if you know the one at the bottom is too dark, the one in the middle is too bright, I usually say ch- choose, that, choose that color that's like the second from the top because you'll still get color, but it won't be overwhelming and it'll have just enough gray undertones to keep it from being bold. So my main, my main tips are add a lot of gray to whatever color you're thinking of using and it won't overwhelm you. Uh, spend money on a really good statement piece of lighting and then also push the envelope with art. And art is, you just, and the thing is, if you don't like the art after you're, you're just moving to another room, you know, it's, it's not that's a good commitment. point. No, that, that's, I think that's a good point because again, people say, Oh, I don't, I don't want to maybe have colored cabinets or I'm nervous about having color in my backsplash. And of course those, these are, these are bigger investments and if they get tired of it, but art, you're absolutely right. That is a great way to start it out. And maybe that art piece leads to a lot more. Maybe that art piece leads to a piece of furniture or your, throw pillows or blankets, um, shades, you know, different things in your house that you can kind of play off of that. And it, and it actually opens you up to, to using color. Yeah. And if you go with a piece of art that has more, that's not monochromatic. And even if it just has a few little pops of yellow, few pops of blue, few pops of orange, that little tiny bit of color in there, you can use that as the actual color that you want to change things up around the house with pillows or a throw blanket or whatever it is. But, um, I, I think that's the way to go, and I am a huge fan of all white, of all white and black, or all white and sand tone spaces. As long as they don't, as long as they take a risk somewhere. If there's no risk involved, what's the point? Yeah, agreed, hundred percent agreed. Um, I guess I mean any any other design questions you want to go over? With no, Brian? I want to hear about the wedding now. I died, so I died. <laughs> We're good. He gave us the good stuff. <laughs> Actually, I, that's what I'm like dying yeah. here because these pictures, go, go. The, the pictures you posted on Instagram. I mean. Who gets? Wait, you got ma- so you were married in Antarctica. That 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 is re- that did that really happen just like that? Yeah, it's and the funny thing is, mo- because we have a house in Iceland and we spend some we spend summer there. Every time I run into somebody on the street who knows about it, because it, it it ran in, on harpersbazaar.com and also people.com, so a lot of people saw it and people will come up and be like, "I can't believe you got married in Iceland." And my my response is, "Well." If you look at Instagram, millions of people are getting married in Iceland now. But I actually got married in Antarctica, and at that point, they're like, "Oh, oh, yeah, that's much farther." So, um, but you uh, guys, you guys are in full suits, walking on barges of ice. Like this is, it's I, amazing. I mean, I thought my wedding was cool. I got married in Newport. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I had a Newport wedding. Yeah, cool. I mean, you just totally destroyed it. It's crazy. Well, yeah. All I cared about, I'm not a wedding guy. Like I've always hated them. Even when I was in my early 20s and my friends in college were starting to get married, I hated watching everybody stress out about like the table seating and like who, what flowers are we going to go with or who am I flying in? Who's going to sit next to who? who who's going to be part of my, my party? And then I started to – ever since I was little, I had this obsession with Antarctica because my cousin Kristen, who was raised in all these different countries because one of my aunts and uncles, sets of aunts and uncles worked for the government and each of my three cousins were born on different continents. And she kept telling me when – I was only like 11 at the time and she's like, did you know that now you can um, – it's possible to go to Antarctica and you can see the penguins and the whales and you can kayak? And I'm like, no, you can't. And I thought – in my head, that was the scariest thing in the, in the world. I'm like, who would go to the bottom of the planet? And then as I started to get older, I was like, oh, my God, that looks like the most amazing, amazing place in the world. So, so cool. about it's just nobody goes. And I don't have kids right now. And we're doing well financially. And we have we both my, my husband and I both work in production. He, he's a costume designer. So we have we have like um, hiatuses so we could go away. So the idea was uh, two years ago, I planned for us to go to Antarctica and I, I wanted, and I also planned to bring a professional photographer because I knew we'd never go back and it would be once in a, once in a lifetime situation. But then just about eight months before we went, 
I started to think, wait a second here. We've been together for 11 years. We know we're going to get married. We have properties. We have stuff that we have to like cover ourselves with legally. Why don't we just like skip an actual wedding altogether and like just go to Antarctica and get on a ship? And the sh usually when you're on a ship that big, the people are ordained and they can marry you. So ah, okay. I spoke to the, the expedition company and they're like, please, that they were so excited about it because they want to bring attention to Antarctica and never in a million years. Would I have thought that the weather conditions were so perfect that they would be able to bring us out to floating iceberg? We literally got married on an iceberg, which in the, that's it's, amazing. It's that the coolest. It's the coolest thing I've ever heard of. I know. It's the same with me. And I kept the, the thing was online. I kept searching. I kept searching. This was three years ago. I kept searching. Are there any any companies out there that can actually do an Antarctic wedding? And I couldn't find any. Then all of a sudden, search results about a year and a half ago started to pull up this celebrity couple from Australia. They're both like TV presenters, and they did it. But it was more like they jumped off the ship really quickly. I wanted to actually get on the continent and actually you know, get into Antarctica. So the funny thing is now, if you Google Antarctica wedding, the first thing that comes up above everything else is when you do a google search was, and you're the first we, one so, at the top that's amazing <laughs> it's crazy because my photographer sent me a link about two months ago because um because the harper's bazaar thing was but, but really, how did, did really but well how did they, but how did harper's bazaar find out that did you guys reach out to them did they get wind of this like how did the whole because i mean just to be in Harper's Bazaar in general, a fashion magazine that is, that's amazing just to even get in that magazine. And then on top of it, it has these pictures of, of your wedding. It's, it's beautiful. It was, it was just a very strange coincidence. So as soon as, so it's really hard to get in, to get in, to get to Antarctica. Um, we have to fly from Atlanta to Santiago, Chile, which is the top of Chile. And Chile is almost like California. It's really long and it's on along like the wet, kind of the West coast. So you have to fly to, to Santiago, Chile. Then you have about a seven hour layover and then you have to fly to Chile and Patagonia. Then when you get to Chile and Patagonia with this, which is four hours. So now you're 13 hours in, you can't immediately go to Antarctica yet because the weather conditions have to be precise. Otherwise, it's too dangerous. So you go to the bottom of the planet. You're in Patagonia and you have your hotel room and you don't necessarily know what day you're going to leave because they will. the expedition company has to call you and say, OK, the weather conditions are perfect. We're going to go tomorrow at this time. Or in our case, you unload your bags and they call you and they say, it turns out the weather conditions are perfect today. So instead of going the three days from now, like we planned, we're leaving three days early. It's wow. really scary wow. because it's like wow. it's, it's very very dangerous. But anyhow, this is what happened when I got back. Um, and I finally had, I, I had Wi-Fi again and I was in, I was in Santiago, Chile. Um, I noticed one of my friends, Brooke, who's a writer, I was going through her Instagram feed and I noticed that like the past few things that she's posted were she's a writer and a, and a journalist and she's a former editor, I think of Sky Magazine. And she, uh, she had been posting uh, this beautiful gay wedding that she had done in Colombia. So I DM'd her and I said, "Hey, we just got married in Antarctica. Um, are you still are you still freelancing for Harper's Bazaar? Because when we get back to the states and we have the images, we would love to place it somewhere." And she was like, "Um, yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think I would like to see those." So little do you know, um, we get back in the U.S. and um, just a week later, she's like, "It got approved, and we're gonna just send me the pictures." So and then that happened, and then people got it, and I'm so happy we did it because. It was, I mean, a lot of people, depending on how people, where people stand on gay marriage, which would, whether they're for it or against it, which these days it's ridiculous for anybody to be against it. Sure. It was just nice to see that like our generation, Gen Xers and millennials, just instead of seeing the two guys, they just saw a wedding in Antarctica, which to me is, was the point. And it, it brought attention to Amazing. this continent that nobody goes to. So it was the best experience of my life and I would do it all over again. That is so, so great. So here's the real question. How uh -huh. long did you stay just in the suits? outside of your like super warm <laughs> antarctic gear 
Because you you have very dapper looks on your yes. faces, but I'm curious as to how long those lasted. So it was absolutely <laughs> magical. So so the Antarctic summer actually starts in December. So okay. we were there. Uh, the actual date was December 16th when that happened. And we never even knew the date that we were going to do it because it depended on the weather conditions. So okay. it just so happens um, there's this one part of Antarctica that most people try to get to, but they can't. It's called the Le Maire Channel. And the reason most people can't get to it is because it's super narrow. And what happens is when ice flow, which are fragments from icebergs and also from uh, – uh, avalanches, they land in the ocean. Sometimes if the wind is so strong, they push together and they create one huge solid piece of ice, which means okay. if you're in the middle of the Le Maire Channel and the stuck. weather changes, you can get stuck for weeks. Oh, it's terrifying. God. So, oh my God. <laughs> so we That's got nuts. super lucky. The sun was shining. All the ice broke apart. And then the our, our expedition guide, who's from Denmark, was like, we're going to get you married on the Le Maire. It was his no dream to way. finally do that. So all the, all, all of a sudden the sun came out um there was there was uh there was what uh humpbacks everywhere there were what? penguins swimming there was leopards and we couldn't get them in the photos because they were around us but here's the scary part so when we finally found um the location that we were the, the iceberg that he wanted us to get married on um they sent out this other polar expert who goes up to make sure that that iceberg's not about to flip or crack oh, and his name was not it's really scary his name is Nigel so we had our own little tiny private scientific research vessel which was small it sees like eight people this is the, this is the crazy story i've ever I I have, i'm like a stuff i can't believe this is real this is this is crazy neither could i when it was happening and then also i had my my photographer robert who's also one of my closest friends with us who's like a, a crossfit person like you are john so he's like super duper like fit at all times and um he's like consistently like ready to like climb mountains and stuff you but anyhow, have to be to get the shots you, you got to be ready to go Oh, especially as an adventure photographer. So the end of the story is this. So Nigel got out and tested that initial iceberg. And um, as he was walking on it, he's like, this one is going to flip. So he told us we couldn't get on it. Then we got onto another one. And we were about to take the images of the, of the little ceremony. And a freaking avalanche behind us started all the way up on the mountain. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we had to pick up all of our stuff, get back in our life suits. And then finally, 20 minutes later, we found another per perfect iceberg. And um, that one was would not was didn't have any other nice icebergs near it that would flip it over. But to answer your question, we were in our life suits all the way until we got onto the iceberg. Then once we got onto the iceberg, we, since we were standing in the sun, it was fine. But th this is what's crazy about it. Um, it was the time that the day that we got married. It was only like fifty three degrees, which is not even that cold. Oh wow. my god. And wow. that's why we were able to smile and wear suits. We we did have thermals on <laughs> below us, but we, we kept thinking, wait a second here, this is Antarctica. This should be like two degrees, which was kind of terrifying. I mean, yeah, let's let's not dive into the global warming topic. Uh -huh. Just yeah, that's a whole nother episode. Well, but, but oh it's my so, god, it's so funny because because I'm I'm looking at your Instagram now and you see comments from people like, wasn't it cold? How are you guys <laughs> not wearing jackets? Uh, there, it's I mean, I, I I really appreciate you sharing the story with us because it's I mean it's epic. I I think you know i'm i'm way into adventure stuff and yeah anything um anything that, that's adventurous like that is up my alley but to capture such an awesome life event in that way i mean it's like wow just i'm, I, I'm it's, gonna, it's I'm, gonna put, I'm gonna say right now if and when my cousin ever does get married i'm challenging <laughs> him right now he has to outdo this I, some way I don't, I don't think that's possible <laughs> anthony's gonna have I, to go to like outer space or I'm, something. <laughs> I was gonna say I think I might just call Brian back and get the and get, the, get all the details and get the for tour this. company's uh, information, but that's really that's that's epic. Oh bro. that is epic. God. Well, I mean that seems like a good a note as any to end wow. on. Um, awesome, awesome <laughs> story, Brian. We really appreciate the time. 
um, on everything from social media to interior design to sharing your wedding story with us. Um, we, we've definitely got more to talk about, so hopefully we, we can we can grab you for another episode in the uh, not-too-distant future. And congrats on... Yeah, for sure. And congrats on all that you got going on, man. It's... Um, you know, it's really encouraging to us to see other self-taught designers just crushing and um, and having a lot of success. And it just it just proves that that hard work is 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 all you really need to to realize the things you want to accomplish. So kudos to you, um, and and thanks again for the time, man. I appreciate it, and I'll be talking to you guys hopefully soon. You got it. All right, guys, that was another episode of Home with the Cousins. Thanks for hanging with us. Hey guys, real quick before you go, we just want to say thanks for listening to the show this week. And if you have a second, please subscribe on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. And share the show with your friends so we can keep growing this great community. Remember to check out homewiththecousins.com to read our show notes from this episode, see past episodes, download our free renovation document package, or just to send us a note. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Carino Anthony and at Culinary John. Our show is produced and edited by yours truly, with original music intro and outro created by Steve and Joseph Padula. I'm Anthony Carino, and thanks for listening. Thank you.